Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith which we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. How many of us are glad this morning that in the eyes of God, we're all equally loved and valued? They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Does anybody know the name of the Lord this morning? Come on, what's his name? What's his name? It says everyone who calls on his name will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And before I read the rest of this, I want to say thank you to all of you who may not have been able to make it physically on this trip, but who prayerfully and financially sent us to proclaim the gospel. You know who you are. So many of you. Here in the house, others may be listening to this later, but you are a big part of people hearing and being saved because we got to go and tell them. That's why the scriptures say, I want everybody to do something with me right now. I want you to look down at your feet. I decided today to wear my, my globes my nations it says listen listen just look at your feet I want you to just listen what it says how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news God says that God looks at the life of a person who says yes I will go and tell somebody about the good news about Jesus, right? 
God looks at our feet, not necessarily typically considered the most beautiful part of our body. Right? And he says, they're beautiful to me because they go fulfill my heart's desire, which is for every man, woman, and child on the earth to know that I love them. And when we go and tell people about what Jesus did on the cross, about his death and about his resurrection and about the hope of eternal life, we fulfill the greatest desire in God's heart for people to know his love. Finally, it says, but not everyone welcomes the good news for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message. We know that not everyone is going to welcome the good news, but we know many, many, many will. Therefore, we go and we tell the world, right? Come on, what? What was God's part in saving the world? The cross of Jesus Christ. What is our part? To tell the world about the cross of Jesus Christ, right? We can't save the world. Jesus already did that. But we can't tell the world what he did. And God calls that beautiful. Finally, so faith comes from hearing. They have to hear, right? And hearing the good news, that is the good news about Christ. Today, we are so excited that we got the privilege to obey Jesus. To go into all the world and to proclaim the good news to all people. To go and make disciples of all nations. What a privilege that God counted us worthy of going and sharing his good news with the world. We're excited about that privilege. And today, you're going to hear some testimonies about what God did. You already saw it in the video we just saw. Some of you uh, have been keeping track of us on social media. You saw tons of videos and photos and, and even written testimonies. Today, you're going to see some more and you're going to hear some more. And just as we get into that, I want to remind you of what it means to testify, okay? Or the word testimony. We testify, in other words, we share about, we proclaim about what God has done, and as we proclaim it, as we give God glory for it, when we testify, we're literally praying and prophesying, God, do it again. That's what testimony means. It is to give glory for what he's done, asking and believing and prophesying that he will do it again, right? So today, just before we go into uh, many testimonies that you're going to hear. I want to ask you to bear with us today. And I want to uh, remind those of you that are going to give testimonies, we got to keep it two to three minutes max because there's several people that are going to share today. Just as we go into those testimonies, I want to invite you to just enjoy this video one more time. Saludos, Nuevo Casas Grandes. Tonight, many of you are going to be born again. Tonight, I pray the light of Jesus consumes you like never before. 
We're going to pray for kids. Vamos a orar por los chicos, por los niños. We're going to pray that houses in Mexico would be houses of peace. Vamos a orar para que las casas y los hogares en México sean hogares de paz. Houses of light. Casas y hogares de vida. I want you to know something. Yo quiero que sepas tú algo hoy. When they light these barrels. Que cuando ellos prendan en fuego a estos barriles. It symbolizes a new life. Esto simboliza una nueva vida. It says in 2 Corinthians. Porque en segunda de Corintios. Chapter 5 verse 17. Versículo 5 al 17. Therefore. Porque. If any man si cualquier hombre be in Christ, está en Cristo. He is a new creature. Él es una nueva all things are passed away. Todas las cosas han Behold, pasado. all things are become new. He aquí todo es hecho nuevo. And so when they light these barrels, Así que cuando estos barriles, this symbolizes our new life. Esto va a simbolizar nuestra nueva vida. Hoy, esta noche, es tu noche de salvación Ahora mismo es tu momento de salvación Es tiempo de acercarte A los pies de aquel madero, aquel árbol La cruz de Jesucristo Y entregar tu corazón Entregar tu vida completamente a Él Si esta noche tú necesitas y deseas Y quieres tomar la decisión de entregar tu vida a Cristo Quiero que levantes esa lamparita La empieces a mover en el aire Así Muy bien por todos lados Gloria a Dios In case you didn't totally understand Whenever I was making the, the invitation for salvation um, On the night I had the privilege of of preaching, got to translate every night, but got to preach one night. Uh, Felicia said, let's do this. Uh, let's, uh, let's uh, instead of having people just raise their hands, let's have them turn on their flashlight on their phone and lift it up. And just that night alone, I believe it was 208 people made a deci decision to follow Jesus. Yeah. Huh? 308, excuse me. They don't want to take any of those away from heaven, Lord. All right. Felicia in a few minutes is going to share the, the sort of the, the bigger picture of how many people really gave their lives to Jesus. And we're going to have several of our team come and testify about what God did, uh, what they saw God do in Mexico, what God did in their hearts as well. Uh, before that, do you want to say anything, baby? Okay. So I can't think of any better way than having our star missionary, Miss Felicia Brown, coming and joining us first. Woo! <laughs> affectionately known here as Felicia and in affectionately known in Chihuahua as Felicia, all right? Felicia, just tell us what God did and what's in your heart this morning. Well, first to limit me to two minutes is like really difficult. <laughs> No, no, I just want to go back to like at the end of worship, we were saying all glory to Jesus. And really like everything that you hear today is no glory to man, right? There's nothing in and of ourselves we can do. This is literally all glory to Jesus. 
but during the Knights of the Crusade, we saw 1,040 people saved. All glory to Jesus, right? Before the crusade, during the three months leading up to the crusade, we saw over 700 saved. After the crusade, we did a prison outreach and saw over 30 people saved. So, yes, we saw at least 1,780 saved, but that's minimum, really more than that. And I want to tell you how big of a deal that is because in this city, there's less than 2,000 in the local church when we arrived. And we saw 1,780 saved. So we like doubled the local church in this city. Come on. Only Jesus. Uh, the things that I want to share with you, though, first off, I wasn't going to share this, but since you read that scripture, there's a woman who had went to a witch doctor three months before the crusade, and she went for healing, and she left in way worse pain. She said her whole body was full of pain. She hurt everywhere, and she was full of anxiety when she left. And so she came to the crusade because she heard about it and had like a, a little bit of hope, you know. And it was the night Hunter preached. And when Pastor Hunter preached the gospel, she said that, I didn't talk to her personally, my team did, but, but they ended up saying she felt like she needed to repent. And so she repented of her sins. She received Jesus, and she said when she received Jesus, she felt like something deep in her came up and out, and she was free for the first time. Yeah. Felicia. Did this lady, was this the lady that said she'd never really even heard the message of Jesus? She'd never heard about Jesus her whole life. She had heard about a witch doctor, but she had never heard about the gospel. She had never heard about the Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And then during the time of healing, she said, we, when we say, hey, test out your healing, see how you feel, she said she realized her whole body had been healed. So she was saved, healed, delivered, set free at the gospel. So it's amazing. Um, but another thing I want you guys to know is there's like maybe 24 churches in the city and over five denominations. And for the first time in the history, they all came together. Yeah. And that is only a work of the spirit, because if you know anything about the devil, his main thing is to divide the local church because there's such power and unity. And so the Lord brought everyone together and at the celebration day that we do, the day after the crusade, we let all the pastors, like, testify. And all of them were saying uh, how they had learned about unity and the importance of unity. And they were celebrating it. And then there was this one pastor. His, he's a Baptist pastor. Liz knows him pretty well. Um, but he was saying for three days of the crusade, he held back. But on the last night of the crusade, he didn't care anymore, and he let loose and started praising God. He was the guy that you saw waving the flag at the end. And he said his friends were telling him, what are you going to say to your Baptist friends who ask you what happened? He goes, I don't care. I don't care anymore. He, he, he said, I feel so alive. He said, I now know I carry God on the inside of me, and I am an example of Christ to my city. And he says, I am alive. And now that I'm alive, I know revival can come because revivals come to the church. And so I want you guys to know the church is alive. They're still winning souls. The group that we trained went out, won 18 souls this week to the Lord without us, even in the streets. So it's continuing to go, and it's a lasting impact. And I want you to know it's a beginning for this city. It's a beginning. So there you go. Yes. And... She, she'll get mad at me for saying this. Not mad, but you know. We're just so stinking proud of yes, Felicia. So yeah, so proud. Give her a hand. Wow. Come on. The work. Yes.
You know, uh, it's, uh, it's not, it's not uh, something you see often that, I'll just say it, that in a place like Mexico, a woman would accomplish such a feat. But by the grace of God and the anointing, Felicia did. And we're just so, so, so happy and proud of her. (laughs) All right, who wants to hear some testimonies from our team? How about we start with the heart? Let's have Team Corazon here on the stage. Come on, Team Corazon, those of you that are going to share, let's give them a hand. Hi guys, um, for, for me, I was really touched um, by the kids. So the kids, well, there were some that spoke English and we didn't know they spoke English, but, but um, from the very beginning, they're like so childlike, if that makes sense. So they're kids, but they were very much like eager to inter, um, engage with us. They would come up, they would come find you the next day. They would like try to communicate, even though like we spoke English, they spoke Spanish. So, um, sometimes they remember our like names, but it was really cool, and I think it touched me so much because a lot of times here, I know for me, I can overthink, what am I going to say to this person? What's the best way to approach them? How can I connect with them? But the kids like didn't care, so they just would run up to us or say whatever to us, and we're like, what? what you, uh, no espanol, and they're like, like anyway, and they, they were still, you know, and in that moment, I'm like, oh, I should have learned Spanish, but it was so, I don't know that it was like a small thing, but it was consistent, you know what I mean? So it just reminded me of, like, the power of the childlikeness and just um, consistency of reaching the lost. Yeah. And it, even by the end, I think there was, like, a kid and a, the mom, they, like, brought us gifts and stuff. And were so intentional to, like, connect with us, even though we were there to serve them. So it touched my heart. I'm like, okay, yeah, no matter what, when I come back, I just need to go for it, right. even if they don't understand what I'm saying. So. So my uh, testimony, similar to Alex, it was something I brought, I'm bringing to my, wherever I'm at. So this, so we were in the bus, right? And we're about to do an outreach. And uh, y'all, it was kind of funny because we're just joking around with uh, all the guys that, uh, evangelists. <laughs> it was, we, we say evangelists there. So it's kind of weird saying it now, but Gabrielle and all the, all the homies, but we were in the bus, right? And we're just joking. And he's like, we're about to go out and just, you know, we're about to just bring the Holy spirit, you know, Jesus. And he goes in and we're thinking he's joking. Right. We look up and we're like, Oh, we're, we're like going in right now. And I'm y'all, we are crying people are falling out we're in a bus about to hit the streets right and so just the power of that and then one thing that he specifically prayed when he or whoever it was I don't even know who it was that prayed for me I was already out by the time they got there but all I heard was wake up like and I to me I didn't hear him saying it it was like the voice of God saying it for me uh God kind of speaks to me very gently usually Usually it's like, because I don't really need much. It's like, dude, you know you're, never, you're thinking wrong, man. Stop. Like, and I'm like, all right, my bad. All right. I got but this was like so much authority. Like it was, wake up. And I don't know if this may be for somebody else. May. It is for somebody else. But it said, wake up. And I looked up the scripture he was quoting, which was Ephesians 5, 14, 24. And it said, 
Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your steps. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. And he wants souls. And so what, when, I, when he said that, it was like, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but you need to wake up and realize what's important to my heart. Wake up and understand what I want. I want souls, and I want you to do it. I want to use you for that. It's a, it's a gentle but authority in that voice, and that was something that I just believed that I wanted to just bring not only to myself but to everybody else. So everybody, wake up. <laughs> All right. Praise God. All right. That was the heart. Now let's go with the light. Come on, Team Loose, join us up here. Yeah, we can give them a hand. Where's Team Loose? Come on. If you're asking what in the world is, what is Team Heart and Team Light and, uh, and Team Fire, we'll get to them in a few minutes. Uh, you know, we had, I, I, I believe, I, I, I hope I'm not misstating this, but I'm pretty sure this is the largest mission team uh, we've taken since we started Encounter Church uh, eight years ago, yeah? So we had to divide, we had to subdivide our big team into three smaller teams, and uh, so you just heard from Team Corazon, and now this is Team Loose. Tell us what happened. So for me, very similar to Kwame on the bus, the evangelist just started praying. We thought it was a joke, and then the Holy Spirit actually showed up, um, and it wrecked us. But the first night of the Crusades, Evangelist Jacob, he had said something that I've like stored in my back pocket as like a nugget. And it's something that we all would think we know, but it hit me differently. He was like, Jesus doesn't speak English. He doesn't speak Spanish. He doesn't speak Chinese. He doesn't speak Swahili. He speaks hearts. And when I heard that, the Holy Spirit was like, hey, guess what? Everything that you can do is taken out of the equation because it's on me now. So I just need you to go. Um, so I had like, I was like, okay, I'm just going to store that in my mind. So we go out to this market that's surrounding the crusade fields and on the bus, the Holy Spirit said, there's two people here that face depression, but worse than you ever knew. And I need you to find them. So we get into the market and we walk out and we hit the second booth on the right. And I turn around and I look at this lady and I just keep walking. And the Holy Spirit said, turn around. That's her. That's number one. So we go up to her and Amanda and Laurel were already praying for her. And I grabbed Melina, one of our translators. And I was like, Melina, like, ask her if she's ever struggled with depression and loss. And we had asked her, and she said, yes, I suffered a great loss, and I've been depressed. And the entire time, she has, like, the Noches the Loose bracelet, and she has this scar from the front of her hand all the way to the back. And she had told Melina, I try to kill myself. But it didn't work. So we had preached the gospel, and within 10 minutes, she was filled with so much joy because she received Jesus. And, like, you could just, like, she had sunglasses on, but you could see she was crying. And really encountered God. So then we keep walking the market, and we see this lady named Edie. And she sees us, and her face just lit up with joy. And me and Melina were like, do we talk to her? Do we not talk to her? Okay, I guess we'll go talk to her. She's staring at us. And we go up to her. And she's like, yeah, I live across the street, and I heard you guys last night. And I woke up, but I just went back to bed. And we're like, okay, why'd you go back to bed? And she's like, oh, I already know God. And it was like, well, what do you know about God? And she's like, well, I know God's the Father. Do you know Jesus, this, like his son that gave salvation? No, I've never heard of that. Have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? No, I've never heard of the Holy Spirit. Do you know God could heal you? No, I didn't even know that was possible. And then she told us, she was like, I knew I was supposed to talk to you guys today. So we preached the gospel to her. She gives her heart to Jesus. We tell her about the Holy Spirit. She gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we proclaim healing over her body and her knee and her hip get healed completely. Like, completely. 
And so we, I stand there and I'm like, all right, she suffered loss again. And we had asked her like, did you lose somebody, specifically a son? And she's like, yeah, I lost my 35-year-old son last year. And so we just prayed that the heart would just, like the father's heart would come and comfort her. And she just looked at me, she's like, can I hug you? And I was like, sure. And the father was like saying, you are the son that gets to hug her the way my son hugs her. So praise God, salvations and just depression gone. You know, um, headed into the mission trip, I had all these fears. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to walk. I'm not going to be able to keep up with all. I was the oldest person on the team. I'm not going to be able to keep up. But the Lord gave me a dream on um, Sunday night before we left that there was one particular woman that I was supposed to find. And I assumed I would find her on the crusade field. He even showed me a picture of her. I knew what she was going to look like. But the first day we went out, I mean, I, I'll just tell you about the fear. I had even talked to Liz about it. I, I can't do it. I, I can't do the physicality that the trip. I want you to know I walked 28 miles in Mexico. But um, the first morning when we went out on the streets, I, Team Loose went to the hospitals. And we had a plan. We knew what we were going to do. Well, that completely got wrecked. We weren't allowed in the hospitals. We weren't even allowed in the courtyard of the hospital. But we broke up into two little teams, and Melina and Rebecca Macias and I were walking down the street, and there was a gentleman and his wife headed toward us. And I said to Melina, I said, we need to pray for this, this gentleman. You could just see the oppression on him. You could see how he wasn't feeling well. They had all the documentation from the hospital. He'd obviously just come out of the doctor's visit. And... We started praying, and thank you for our translator, Melina. She was there with us, and I found out this gentleman could not keep his blood sugar under control, and anyone who knows me knows my testimony of, of being able to be healed from my diabetes, and here's this young, this man, and I'm praying for him, and we're praying intently for healing for him and all that, and the Lord said, open your eyes and look at his wife, and it was her. It was the lady that the Lord had shown me. And I realized, and my heart for her just absolutely, the Holy Spirit showed me that she was tired of, of supporting her husband. She was tired of standing beside him. She was tired of all that she was having to do for him. And I was able to just tell her that the Lord sees you and he honors that you are standing beside your husband and he honors what you are doing with him. And we don't know what happened to that couple. We never saw them again. We did invite them to the crusade. But I just want to leave y'all with a quick little note that when the Lord calls you to do something, he has a plan. Whether you think you have it or not, he has it. And I just want to reiterate what Ashley, what um, Alex said about the children. You know, I'm older and I've got that grandmother spirit. And just to have these sweet little children come running up to us night after night. And you, you all were able to provide, I think, 6,000 bags of cotton candy. But let me tell you, the people that enjoyed the cotton candy the most were the adults. <laughs> But y'all, thank you all for sending us and thank you for what the Lord did. But I will say that I was shocked by it, Tara's energy. No, really, she, out, she outdid all of us. You know, like, 
like, I, no, really, and really is a fear that a lot of people have about going, am I going to be able to do it? And, and when God provoked, I mean, I was like, Tara, I was like, Tara, are you sure? You're, she's like, I'm great. You know, every morning. And I'm like, are you sure you want to go to the, yeah, totally. I feel great. And she will come like walking fast, you know. Some of the younger people were like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. But Tara was, was and it's just amazing, really, because I feel like I would, and it is an encouragement that I do not ever allow fear to lead your life. You know, allow what God says to lead your life. Okay, well, mine was also the hospital thing. We went to the hospitals, couldn't get in. And, like, we had this whole plan. Like, Tara was saying we had a plan to go and, like, pray for the sick and pray for the people who have never heard Jesus before. But, like, the Lord had other plans. And that just, like, reminded me, like, we sometimes have a plan and, like, we have such an, like, idea in our own minds. But, like, the Lord had his own and like Tara was saying, we split in two groups, and after we had, like, split in our groups, we kind of rejoined, and we're just kind of like, well, what now? Because <laughs> there's, like, nobody. There's, like, maybe a couple people in the waiting room and a couple people over here, and they're kind of looking at us like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, um, but, you know, God, God's good. Um, and so we're leaving the one hospital. We're walking down the street. We pass a gas station, and we walk into the gas station, and there was a lady there who was struggling with di diabetes, right? And she couldn't, she had, like, no feeling in her legs or her feet. And we just, like, prayed for her to, like, receive the healing of the Lord. And we preached the gospel to her. And she wanted, she got the Holy Spirit. But then she asked us, she's like, I want more of that. I want more of the Holy Spirit. And so we prayed for her to receive the Holy Spirit even more so. And she just, like, her whole facial expression just changed. It lit up completely. And... Yes, and she was healed. She had total, like, feeling in her feet, in her legs, and yes, she was, like, walking around. She was so happy and so joyful, um, so that was just one of the many encounters, um, and then the bus. I feel like we're all going to talk about the bus. <laughs> the bus was just, and also, like, going into Mexico, none of us had, like, expectations because we didn't know what to expect. None of us had ever done this before, um, but on the bus on the way to, like, one of the first outreaches, and they're just praying for us, and the Holy Spirit is just, like, bouncing off of every wall. Everybody's sobbing, like, weeping, not just, like, a sob, but we were weeping, and I just felt, I just was asking the Lord, and I'm like, please, just, like, give me your heart. Give me your heart tenfold. And, like, you know, you ever pray something, and you're like, why did I just pray that? <laughs> and just, he just gave me his heart for that city and for the people who, like, didn't know him and for the people who have never heard the name of Jesus before. And we're just so blessed to live in a place where we can freely go out and preach the gospel and freely go out and pray for somebody but, like, here, they've never heard it before. And as we go out, I just go out, like, looking like a mess because I was just sobbing. But just this joy that, like, we can go and that, like, the Lord invited us to sit at his table. It wasn't like we can go sit with him any day. But he invited us to come sit with him at his table, like, here with him, with these people. And Kwame and I, we are just, like, I have my guitar. He has a saxophone. And we're going out just flooding this flea market with just the praises of God. And these people probably maybe have never heard that before. And you could just see, like, and feel the joy that just rocked this city. And what an honor that all of us and the people even who sewed into this got to be a part of something that will be changed forever. This city will never be the same. God swept through Nuevo Casas Grandes, and it's just... 
such an honor. So, yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I have a couple of testimonies myself, but I'm going to wait and see if anyone else says it. So we've had the heart and the light. Let's have the fire. Come on, Team Fuego. <laughs> Can you say fuego? fuego? All right. Tell us what happened, fire. <laughs> so I saw a lot of amazing things, but there was one thing that, like, specifically just, like, really touched my heart that I was not expecting. So the last night of the crusade, it was Father's Day, which I forgot because <laughs> I grew up without my father, so, like, I really wasn't expecting it that morning. And so people were just talking about, like, Jacob's going to preach about fathers, all this stuff. I was like, cool, I'm going to cry, <laughs> which I did. But um, he basically he called, like, all the fathers to the front. And um, I think we were, like, doing worship or something, but I had my eyes closed. But I would, like, open them a little bit and, like, try to see, like, how the fathers were reacting. And their culture is a little different. So, like, the way that they react to things, I was like, I don't know if they're receiving or not. Like, they're kind of just standing there, like, like looking at the ground. I'm like, mm, maybe they're receiving. I don't know. But... I had my eyes closed for a little bit longer, and so Jacob just starts asking, like, if all the men wanted to receive the Holy Spirit, and they're probably, like, I don't know, like, 100, maybe, 100 dads or something. There were a lot of them, yeah, and so when I opened my eyes, like, every single one of them put both of their hands up, and I just, like, bawled my eyes out because I was just thinking about my own life, and I was like, man, like, I, I don't know my dad, like, I don't know if I'll ever see him, but, like, being able to see all these men in Mexico, like, receive Jesus, their kids are going to be blessed, and I've literally, it's amazing, just, like, literally just seeing, like, generations change in front of my eyes, like, I will never forget that, and, like, of course, we're all coming into this, like, we're focused on the people in front of us, but that blessed me, and I wasn't even asking for that, like, I didn't, like, wake up that day thinking, like, what's the Lord going to do for me, I'm, like, I'm looking at these people, and, like, they don't even know how much that blessed us. So, like, I'm just excited to see, like, how that's going to change generations and, like, break generational curses. So, yeah. Hey, Amanda, I don't know. You were sharing with me about your mission trip experience before. And how about those eight months? You know, do you remember if you want to just share a little yeah. bit about how that was different for someone yeah. that would consider going with us soon? Yeah. Soon. <laughs> um, I had already been, like, uh, on a mission trip before, like last time I went, it was like three years ago, and I went for like nine months. It was nothing like this. <laughs> I don't regret going. Like, I, I mean, I got saved right before, and I literally left like two months after that, so it was like not normal. Um, but a lot of the people I went with, they just like weren't really focused on the right things, and so I was very distracted. There was like drama, and just like, it, was, it really felt like a vacation. And so people were kind of just there to travel, and it was hard for me because that was my first year, like, really following Jesus. And I was like, man, like, is this why people go here? Like, is this why we're here? So I just had a lot of confusion in my life um, since then. Like, honestly, since I've been at Encounter, like, I've had to, like, relearn some things and, like, realize a lot of stuff that was told to me was false. So it was hard. But, like, being in Mexico and, like, this whole team, like, everybody was genuinely there to serve the Lord. Everybody was there to genuinely see people get saved and I'm like, this is what I was missing. Like, this is what I want. And so it's just, it was awesome to, to be a part of it. 
And, be, and, and, and before Ian shares, I do want to say that. I was going to save it for the end, but since she already said it. You guys, this team, this team, and, and Felicia's rejoicing back there. I have been doing missions and taking teams on mission trips for 26 years. By far, this is the best team ever. Yeah. All right, I've got a lot to say, so I'm gonna to try to talk fast. So I'm sorry to our Spanish translator, Ivan. Hope you can keep up. Um, today I wanna to talk about a man named Jorge, who it's important to note, really cool, that the, that the third night of the crusade, the third of four, he, he told me that he was in the very back corner by the gate, kind of debating whether to come up or whether to get any closer. Um, but then the next day, he, he, he felt something so powerful from the third day that on the final day, he was on, the th on like the second or third row. He brought friends, and that was really awesome. And what was even cooler was um, there was a point when the speaker, like we've said, the speaker called up all the fathers to come, and he was on the front row. Um, and I hadn't met him at this point, so I didn't know how cool of a deal that was um, until later. But he was just so, I could, I could tell, like, he was just so broken. Like, he was standing there, he was sad, there were te tears rolling down his face, but it wasn't like, a, oh my goodness, like, I'm experiencing so much joy, the presence is overwhelming that he was crying. He was crying because he was so broken. And so, um, eventually, I, I make my way over to him, because we were called to pray over the fathers, and I start uh, praying over him in Spanish, and I quickly realize that I've only got about 30 seconds worth of Spanish prayer, so I try to find a translator, and I'm like, hey, is there anybody that can translate? And he's like, I can understand everything you're saying. I was like... That was the most perfect English I'd heard all week, even from our team. It was, it was wild. I, still, I, I asked him, like, did you study or anything? He, he, I, I don't know how he did it. But um, so it was wonderful. So that opened up a lot of opportunities for us to have conversations and for me to ask, like, what's wrong, brother? What's wrong, Jorge? Why are you so broken? And he ended up uh, sharing with me that when he, when he was following Jesus in his life at one point, that his wife left him, uh, took their son with her all the way over to Canada. She n never allows him to speak with him. He only gets to see him about once a year. And, um, and I looked on his Facebook later, and, like, all on his Facebook is he and his son. Like, that is the most treasured thing to him. And so that just really broke him. And um, he just got to a point where he was so broken, he was so sad, he was so depressed that he just stopped following Jesus. And he said that once he stopped following Jesus, his life seemed to get a little better. Things started to go a little more up. But in reality, that just means that once he stopped following Jesus, the enemy decided, okay, I've won this battle. I'm moving on. I don't have to have opposition against this guy anymore. And he kind of realized that because he said, my life got better when I stopped following Jesus, but I don't want that. I want to follow Jesus. I want to have that again. And so I started praying for him, and I, I started just, just speaking life over him, speaking peace, speaking joy over him. But I could tell he would, his, his expression did not change. He was still so burdened, still so down, still, still so depressed. And so I was asking the Holy Spirit, like, what, uh, what, what needs to happen for him to really see this, for him to really experience the 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 joy, the light of the Father again. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say that he needs to declare this. He needs to say this. And so I had him uh, start repeating after me. Or I, I talked with him first, and I said, what are, what are some things that you're really lacking in your life? And he, he told me he's lacking peace. He's lacking joy. Um, and so I had him start repeating, say, peace is mine. Because in the name of Jesus, peace is his. Because of everything that Jesus did on the cross and paid for our penalty for our sins and then rose to life, we can be joined in unity in that life. And he is the prince of peace, and so peace is ours. And so I told him that, and I had him repeat, peace is mine, peace is mine, peace is mine. He did it a couple times. It only took four or five times before he started to smile again. And he said, and I was like, do you feel that, brother? Do you feel the peace? And he said, I feel that, I feel that. And so 
prayed for peace, and I was like, all right, what else? Joy. He said, joy is mine. Joy is mine. Joy is mine. That changed. Um, he needed to declare that the Father accepts me. So he said, my Father accepts me. My Father accepts me. I am good enough. I am good enough. Because God loves me, I am good enough. And every time that he declared with his mouth the truth over himself, things changed inside of him. No matter what anxiety he had in his mind, no matter what heaviness he had in his heart, things started to change when he used his mouth to declare the truth. And so I want to use that to share with you, to, to, to encourage you guys that just as his entire countenance changed from broken to filled with joy, filled with peace, he said that he's, he has not felt this much joy or this much peace just as he did that, just by declaring truth, you guys all can also experience that same peace and that same joy. If you feel like, oh my gosh, like nothing's going right, I feel terrible, even though, even if my life looks right, I feel terrible on the inside, just start declaring truth. Because he did that, and about 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes later, everything changed. And so that can happen for you guys as well. And I also just want just to plug this in real quick. A group of us um, from the Mexico team is going to be going to Swift Cantrell at 3 o'clock. We're meeting by the bathrooms, good central point, um, to evangelize and to pray and just be there and bring this, this power that we saw in Mexico into our community. And so that invitation is open for all of you guys. No matter how confident you feel or how much you've done this, if you've never done this before, all of you guys are invited to just show up and to bring the love of Jesus to people and just see what happens in our community. So... Alrighty, I feel like I did a speed talk now. <laughs> what a time. Um, man, when I was um, asking the Lord, like, what, what should I share from this week? You know, like, there were so many things that happened. Um, the Lord really just highlighted, like, I know that there are some people that maybe are feeling called to missions, but they're doubting whether or not they can do it, whether they can go, like, kind of picking off of, picky backing off of Tara. Um, like, this was a huge team. Everybody is so different. Like, just, we're all people. We were, like, 30 different people. We have different routines, different schedules. Some people are introverted. Some people are extroverted. Some people have bedtime. Some people don't. Some people have, you know, food allergies. Some people don't. Like, think about how different it is to take a group of 30 people and tell them, like, we're all going to do the same thing. We're going to, you know, be here when we need to be here. We're going to stay till we need to stay. Like, to be able to do that, it doesn't make sense in the natural. Like, it should have been chaos and hard and exhausting. And it, But, like, what I want to speak to is, like, when you surrender that and you, you say, like, you know, I have things of my own that might make this hard for me, but, like, I lay it at the feet of Jesus and I'm here to serve. Like, the unity on our team, the ability for every single one of us to be eating dinner at 1 a.m., like, <laughs> and then saying, like, we're going to do this again tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day. But, like, to do it with joy and to do it, like, to have the ability to, like, do all of those things and to be there and to, like, let God move through us was incredible. So I know that not everybody is, not everybody will go physically. Like, some of you will, you know, go by supporting other people financially. Some of you will support in prayer. But, like, for those of you that are feeling called to go, but you're wondering, like, maybe I just can't do that, you know? Like, that's so cool, all these testimonies. Like, you know, I love that, but, like, I'll never be able to do something like that. Like, just use this diverse group of people as a testimony that, like, when you surrender that to God, like, he can totally do it through you. So don't let that keep you from, you know, fulfilling that commission. Okay, so you hear, you've heard the saying, you know, mission trips change you. So this is a very personal story for me. And this is not complaining or to make you feel sorry for me, but to understand how big our God is. 
I grew up in a legalistic, harsh church, and you prayed once for healing, and if you didn't get it, the answer was no, and that sickness was a result of sin, and that's all there was to it. So I got in a car accident in December of 2015. I got a traumatic brain injury and a traumatic uh, cataract, so I could not really see out of my right eye, which I had to get surgery for. And I had a six-month-long migraine, and then I had to get Botox injections in my head every 10 weeks, so that's 35 injections in my head, shoulders, and neck. I had to give up my real estate career because I was in too much pain, and there were too many details, and I was afraid I would mess someone, you know, they wouldn't be able to get a house because of mistakes that I, I would do. I couldn't understand a restaurant menu. My husband would have to treat me like a little kid, you know, do you want chicken, do you want beef, and just dumb it down for me. I was reading at a second grade, maybe third grade level if I was lucky, and this went on for about four years, and then I you know, started coming to encounter, and then I developed anxiety. Most people did not know this because I was embarrassed by it. If I was flying, I would pre-board because I was afraid that my tiny little carry-on would not fit in front of the seat in front of me. It was not logical, but that was my world. Um, I had several partial healings, and I would get better, only then to relapse. I had a very powerful encounter on the Peru mission trip in September of 2019, and God told me I was to do missions, and that I was to go to the nations, and he would meet me there. I got a severe migraine on Sunday afternoon, June 5th, and then I got injections on Friday the 10th. And I got a small amount of relief. I almost didn't go on the Mexico mission trip, just the amount of pain I was in. But I held firmly to God's promise, and I knew that I was supposed to go, no matter what. I, I thought, I'm not going to be effective. I'm going to sit in the corner and basically cry. But I knew that I had to go. And so I went. And you can ask the team members. <laughs> I was not very helpful. I was not effective. The first night of the crusade, there was a, prayer, a call for healing. I stood in the back, and I prayed. And my migraine got worse. I got mad. It got worse again. I prayed again. And I went to bed very frustrated, um, very upset. The next night, I'm like, I'm done. Um, I'm not going to ask again. And then I told the team member, no, I'm going to be bold. I'm going I'm to go ask for, ask for it again. It got worse, and so I'm like, okay, this is, this is what it is, and then the next day, we're walking around, praying at, at the crusade field, at the flea market, and, you know, this whole time, I'm hearing prayer, I'm seeing people getting testimonies, they've prayed once, and I'm like, God, I'm here, what about me? I'm here, and it's just getting worse, and worse. And so then on the bus, a member of Felicia's team prays for me. He starts praying for migraines. He didn't know what I had, and it's worse. And then that night at dinner, a member of the team starts praying for me and really made a difference. I went to bed with a migraine. I woke up. It's gone. It's gone. And my anxiety, I lost my passport a couple of times. I'm looking for it, and normally I'm stressing out. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? I find it. And then I'm like, where'd that anxiety go? And then at the airport, I misplaced it again. I'm looking for my passport. It's gone. Yesterday, we're driving down I-75. 
I pass Delk Road, and then I look up at Lockheed, and I'm going, this is the first time in six and a half years I've not had anxiety on I-75. So I am healed. Hola, como estas? <laughs> yes. So, this is a quick pre thing. When I got back from Mexico, I was unintentionally saying like, hola, como estas, like everyone. And it, it took like two days for it to wear off, so that was really funny. Um, but anyway, Mexico was incredible. The mission trip was incredible. Specifically, seeing the Holy Spirit evict and occupy during the uh, Father's Day session, similar to where Amanda was talking about. So um, how it worked is that a lot of the fathers came up and we prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill them and a lot more than I thought would come. It was over, I don't know, like maybe 150, 200 people. I don't really know. But it was more than we could individually pray for because we were initially intending to individually like lay hands on everyone, but there was too many to do, to do that. So what I was doing is I asked the Holy Spirit, to point out specific people that I need to go up and pray for while also walking and just kind of like praying over people that like as I'm walking by. And what I try not to do is some people will, I guess, outwardly manifest or be more expressive. And your, your initial inclination is to like go up and like pray for them. But normally other people are already praying for them, but so you don't actually have to go up to them. It's because people are like moving their hands a lot. So I was praying that the Holy Spirit would give me his eyes to see like who I need to pray for. And there was one guy specifically who, he wasn't responding, he looked kind of mean to be honest. Um, but his hand was up and he was praying and we were um, asking for the Holy Spirit to fill people. And I felt the Holy Spirit very specifically tell me to go up and pray for him and go behind him and lay hands on him. And how I was doing it, because no one could understand me, I would start off in English so I understood what I was saying. Then I would switch to the Spirit and then ask for the Holy Spirit to fill them in my head. but. In, in tongues. And so I was praying for him in English, like I normally would, and then I switched to tongues, and then about five seconds after that, he started yelling. He's like, ah, ah. And like in my head, I, I, in my head I said, Holy Spirit, I ask that you feel him. That's when he started shaking and yelling. And um, I felt like the Holy Spirit wasn't in him, but as soon as I said that, he was shaking and yelling. And so I switched from asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit to fill him that all evil and unclean spirits to leave him. And then as I prayed that, it, t it didn't happen immediately. It took maybe like 30 seconds of him like yelling and shaking. But then he stopped yelling and shaking and immediately switched to the spirit. And he starts praying in the spirit. And yeah, it was just amazing. Like the evil unclean spirit came out and the Holy Spirit immediately came in and filled him. You could just feel the difference. And I was like, okay, I don't have to be here anymore. The spirit can take over. <laughs> I can move on so um, yeah that was that was what I was left with I apologize for how I'm dressed I was planning on going up to Illinois today but then I was thinking you know I really really love you guys and so I wanted to come be with you guys um, so I want to tell a testimony about what happened in uh, not in a way of Escasas Grandes but as we were coming back to the States the night before we were in Chihuahua and, you know, it's not just something, evangelism, that it just turns on when we're on a missions trip and then it turns off when we get back from a missions trip. But we were 
I mean, that night, it was 10.30 p.m., we were like, let's go get some food, walked down to the grocery store about a mile down, and there's, a, there's um, we were walked in, and the guy, he's like, you need a mask, you need a mask, get a, you need a mask, and so we were like, okay, and we, we turned around, and then a dude who's walking out, he says, I have a mask, I have a mask, and he comes and gives us mask, and, and you know, we, we could have just let him keep on going on and everything and, and go get the food because it was like they were closing the doors right then. But, I mean, we felt like we just immediately asked him. I was like, hey, man, do you need prayer for anything? Do you have any pain in your body? He's like, no, no, no. I said, if you died today, would you be in heaven or hell? He said, hell. I said, why do you think you'd be in hell today? He said, because I'm a drug dealer. I said, I said, You're, I said okay. I, I said, <laughs> I said, and he just starts opening up about his entire life, just telling all these different bad things he's doing. And he's like, I just got out of jail a month and a half ago. He said, I'm selling drugs. He said, I got heroin in my pocket right here. Like, just crazy. And and we start preaching the gospel to him. And he's just wide open. He's like, what do I need to do to be saved? Preach the gospel to him. He gives his life to Jesus. He says, what? He says, I'm going to do something right here. He takes out all the heroin out of his pocket, throws it in the garbage, and then he starts confessing. He says, man, he says, I listen to rock and heavy metal music. He said, whenever I get in my car in just a moment, he said, I'm going to break all of that up. I'm going to throw it in the garbage can. And then he said, he said, I'm about to go pick up my wife from work. He said, and whenever I pick her up, I said, he said, I'm going to call you and I want you to tell her what Jesus did to me today. He said, because if, he said, if I tell her, she's not going to believe me. And so he calls us, we tell her, and somebody's translating and everything, and, and we tell her what happened, and then, and then she's, and then uh, he, he, uh, he was telling her about what was happening because he's, he's the one translating to her, and, and she uh, wants to give her life to Jesus, and he takes to me later that night. I mean, Jesus totally just wrecked this man, and he was never the same. Let's hear it for Fuego. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm going to share just a little bit. Um, Julian and I got to the mission trip a little bit late due to work. So uh, one of the, there's two things that really, really impacted my heart personally. Um, the first one was, the, I know like as they were preaching the gospel through the four days, it's, it was like breaking ground. It was like bra- literally like breaking ground. But there was a moment where we had Extreme Kids, which is uh, a ministry for kids. And, I mean, the moment they came in and they were calling the kids to go to the front and everything. And I love kids because it, like, it makes us adults realize how... um, prideful we are and contained we are so I love to be around kids to keep me humble you know so they were they say come 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 all the kids and we were in the front and I mean it started to rain but that was the moment where I saw a shift a little bit in the adults and the pastors that were on the sidelines, you know? And, I mean, they were praising God. That rain was coming. We were getting wet. We were soaked. And I remember the Holy Spirit telling me, it's the childlike faith that will help you see where I'm going. Wow. 
And so that was the first thing that really touched my heart. You know, sometimes we go as pastors, but I love to go to be like undercover, you know, <laughs> uh, because the Lord ministers to my heart so much in mission trips and, and to take your children, you know. Yes, there is a strategy when taking children, but do not go to a mission trip if you have children. Take them. Take them. They need to see the need. Um, and the second thing was the last day of the crusade. Uh, they were calling the fathers to the front. And that was very powerful because in a, in a Hispanic culture, uh, if you're familiar, men are taught not to cry and not to show any emotion, you know. So it was very powerful because the Lord was working in the, in the man. He was breaking whatever curse that was spoken in culture-wise, you know. So the Lord has no limitations when it comes to culture, definitely. We as humans, we do have a boundary. And so I remember I went to the back and I was praying and I was asking the Lord, Lord, show me the people that I need to pray for. And so I remember I was going and I, I prayed for three women. And I, I want to say they were mature adults, okay? I don't like to say old people. Mature adults, okay? And they were ladies. And I remember praying for them. And I, the, the word, and, and this is I know this is going to minister uh, specifically to the mature adults in our church. Because the, the word that was consistent when I was praying for them was like, do not shy away of the wisdom that you have received through bowing your knees, you know, and so I want to, and, and I kept on praying for them, do not shy away for that wisdom from speaking the word of God to this new generation, you know, and, and I want to, just, just to tell you something, we need the local church and we need all generations to come right. together, and sometimes as mature adults, we tend to, you know, sometimes criticize the younger ones, and I have a message for you as a, as a young woman, not maybe like, you know, 20, but not I'm not 20, you know, late 30s. I want to tell you, if you're in a mature adult, you need to rise up because we need your wisdom. You need to rise up in the spirit to speak to us and to help us, and you need to pray for us, and we need you. We need you, okay? So that's all I have to share. Uh, it was very powerful for our kids too, so... So now all of you are going to experience what we experienced in, in Mexico. Who's going to translate, you or me? You. Me? I, I will. I will. Okay. Guess I get to translate. It's impossible not to cry. I'm going to say it fast because everybody tells me I always talk too much. Okay. Para mí ir a México, aunque no fue un viaje donde yo iba a participar mucho. For me to go to Mexico, even though I wasn't necessarily, I didn't travel with the team to, to participate so much with the trip. Más bien como una especie de asistente de pastores. I went more as a helper to the pastor's family. Cuidando niños, lo que se Helping with the kids and all that. Pero en este viaje Dios me mostró. But in this trip God showed me. Su fidelidad. His faithfulness. Cuando 
Yo fui al viaje, pues sí, llegamos a la ciudad Nuevo Casas Grandes, es una ciudad donde vivimos 25 años. When I when we went on this trip, we arrived to Nuevo Casas Grandes, which is the city where we lived for 25 years. Y realmente Dios me dio un grande, nos dio un grande amor por ese lugar. And God had really given us a very big love for that city. Pequeño, seco. It's a small town, it's dry, desert. Con dureza espiritual. And very, very hard spiritually. Okay. Entonces el solo hecho de estar ahí con una nueva oportunidad de bendecir. So just being there with another, a new opportunity to bless. Fue Dios hablando de muchas maneras. That was God speaking in so many different ways. Cuando mi esposo y yo nos venimos a este lugar. When my husband and I moved here to Atlanta. Estábamos en una iglesia sirviendo. We were there in a church serving. Muchos años. For many years. Y venimos a apoyar la iglesia de. And we moved here to to support the planting of Encounter Church. Entonces yo me quedé como partida. So when I came here, I was sort of like split in two I felt like I was here and there and, and I would, I've always been saying Lord yeah I'm here I'm, I'm, I'm helping I'm, I'm serving I'm supporting but how do I even fit in I don't speak English and I was always praying for Mexico for, no casas grandes. for, for casas grandes okay. pues ya, no sabes a veces que Dios and you know you never know what God wants. Yeah. When we were there, I realized that God is truly a God who fulfills promises. When we got there and all the people that we knew from the past came to greet us and hug us, I felt like God was Cumpliendo sus promesas. Fulfilling his promises there. De que el amor por esa ciudad que él puso en mi corazón. That his love for that city that was in my heart. Siendo derramado. It was being poured out. A través de mis hijos. Through my children. De mis nietos. My grandchildren. De la iglesia. And this church. Y sentía como con todo eso que ustedes fueron a dar. And I just feel that with all that you guys went to give, El de Felicia, Felicia's, job, Felicia's hard work, yo podía ver cómo se I, could, I could see de, uh, or, chains being broken, bondages or, being broken, or, uh, and spiritual pride, de division, division de, de falta de perdón, uh, unforgiveness, era como si literalmente se rompieran esas it, ataduras. It was like literally just watching them being broken off. Y se desata un espíritu de unidad. And a spirit of unity was released. De poder. A power. Y yo misma pude decir realmente and Dios I, está en este lugar. And I, I really could say to myself, God really is here in this place. Eso, eso y mucho más Dios hizo y sigue haciendo. God did that and much more and he's continuing to do. Y si tú consideras que la oración y la intercesión es pequeña. And if you consider prayer and intercession is something small. Dios me mostró que es uno de los ministerios más grandes. God showed me that it's one of the greatest and biggest ministries. Okay, so uh, almost, I think done. I, almost done. I feel like, Anna, do you want to say about the mission trip? 
What did you like? How was it? I liked when the people preached from the crusade, and I also liked when um, extreme kids came. And, and um, when we were in the crusade, there was this person in the wheelchair that I really wanted her to stand up and walk. And we prayed for her, and she was crying. And then um, she didn't stand up and walk, but she had joy in her heart, and that was the thing that mattered. And uh, wait, 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 wait. So remember something that God like spoke to me through. Sometimes when you take your kids to the mission, I understand you know the ages. Don't feel like I know it's different for every person, you know, but. One of the nights, we were tired, right? But there's something that you told me about increasing and decreasing. Do you want to... Well, you, do you remember that night? Um, one day... One night, um, I, I was um, asking my mom if I, if I was going to have fun in the crusade. Would I have fun? Or, and then I said... But it doesn't really matter because I must decrease and he must increase. That's right. And this decreasing, increasing thing, I think in kids' church, they were talking about John the Baptist. Yeah. That Sunday before we left, and they were telling me, Anna was telling me about how she wanted to be like John the Baptist because he, she wanted to decrease and him increase. And I'm like, whoa, that's deep. So then, you know. <laughs> They were there in the week, and as, as you guys prayed, Oliver got sick in the middle of the crusade, and I got sick a little bit, but you guys, your prayers were holding us up. And when the moments that you just want to quit because it's a lot, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I'm, we must decrease, so he must increase. So anyways, thank you, Anna. But hey. I just want to say, like, all the kids, London, um, Sophia, Lucas, and Oliver, I mean, let's give them a hand because that was, that was no easy thing, and they all are champs, really, like, just going with the flow and eating whatever needed to eat, and all of that was amazing, but I guess, okay, so for me, it's just, it's just hard, you know, like, to put it to words, like, everything that happened is just overwhelming in goodness, you know. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed of God, like, the goodness of God, like, when we left to come here. I knew...
Thank you.